You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill, good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 years minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line. 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat in New York City. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY. Or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 184 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another Sunday, the vacation episode. As you're listening to this right now, I am on a jet airliner to Sin City. That's right, folks. Ten days in Las Vegas, Nevada. Looking forward to this. Viva Las Vegas, baby. This isn't the real Caesar's Palace, is it? What do you mean? Did, um, did Caesar live here? 
Yeah, so I actually, uh, wife and I are really looking forward to it. We we go every year. We've done this for like, oh man, I don't know, ten or twelve years now. Well, we didn't go last year, obviously, but um, yeah. So got some pent up gambling rage here. Um, no, I it, yeah, like I always say with these, it's you know as fun as Las Vegas. I love Las Vegas, but um, it'll just be nice to get out of the out of the snow for ten days. Wear, wear some shorts. That'll be fun. So no, looking forward to it. So, but in the meantime, there are going to be three episodes, you know, a couple Wednesdays and a Sunday that I miss, but uh, I have you covered, folks. I have episodes in the can that uh, as soon as I'm done this, I have to edit them and I will get them out. So you won't even, it's it's like I have never even left. Every, the schedule will remain the same. See, look at that. That's a good teammate right there. I got your back. Never fail. You will have audio pleasure without missing a beat. So, yes, while I'm sitting there drinking mimosas in the morning and uh, probably playing some video poker and putting in my basketball bets down at the sports book early on, maybe get some breakfast. Wife will still be snoring in the in the bed in the in the room, the hotel room until about probably about eleven o'clock. But I'll be down roaming the floor at about eight a.m. and uh, you guys will be listening to this. So, yes. So, so, so I'm, uh, anyway, I'm recording this on Thursday night here. Uh, one more day of work to go, so I'm looking forward to it. And uh, to say the least, I just got to pass the COVID protocol Saturday morning. We have to go get our tests. And, uh, oh, I better not test positive. Oh, Fucking, I'll be throwing haymakers if I test positive. But uh, get on that plane and get down there. So, looking forward to it. But you guys don't want to hear about that. Let's let's talk about some uh, some hockey, shall we? Um, well, today's show. Um, it, like I said, it's uh, I I got a bunch of shit that I have to do. I gotta I still got to edit a bunch of episodes. So I'm not gonna. I always say this, but I'm not gonna take too long on this show. Um, I'm going to talk about a couple things, kind of the Gertz and Maroon incident. Not so much an incident, but just kind of talk about it for a second, just sort of the mindset. And then uh, uh, Tim, I hate lists. He'll be fired up for this. List guy, list guy Tim. That's his name, list guy Tim. Um, I have the five toughest Pittsburgh Penguins of all time. So we're going to talk some pens, toughness. And all that. But before we get into that, of course, I've got to talk about the sponsors and my friends. As I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. There's a few Penguin shows. Check it out. Dip the iceberg. If you're a Pens fan, if one is so inclined. But all the teams are represented, so check them out. Um, for my off-network friends, of course, i got well, Sicky down there in Florida. Part-time Coden Salem there, part-time Ole. Yeah, he's been laid up for a couple for a couple days. I don't know, trying to get out of work. He's trying to milk the sympathy vote. I think from the trying to get the sympathy from the wife. I don't know, she she isn't buying it though. Yeah, uh, as soon as she walks out the door, you know he's slapping on fucking Netflix and yeah, got the feet up. Him and the dog there. And, yeah, then as soon as he, she he has the car pull up, always oh, under the covers and shaking and yeah. So he hasn't recorded anything uh, for for a little bit, but uh, 
I'm sure he'll have something here coming up right away. I know he wants to get back into it. So, but he is a member of the six pack coverage network. So, uh, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some expectations put on him here. Come hell or high water, sick, healthy, or indifferent. You better get an episode out. Hey, I'm, I'm leaving the country and I'm still dropping three episodes. Just saying. That's veteran leadership right there. Yeah. So kids got a little bit, got a little ways to go, but, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure princess will suck it up. He'll get something out on audio, but, uh, in the meantime, it always pains me to say this, but he does have a tremendous back catalog. So he's got, he's got a bit of a track record. I'll give him that. Um, Yablonsky, Ray, uh, Bialois, uh, Rushton, tremendous back catalog. Definitely give a show a listen. And he is also, uh, rolling with, uh, the, uh, a new fight, uh, channel on YouTube. It's, uh, mostly East Coast Hockey League fights. Shh. Don't tell anybody. But definitely Five for Fighting YouTube channel. Subscribe to it. Check it out. He's always uploading the new shit daily. Whatever's happened down in the, in the four letter league, you'll see it on that channel. So subscribe to the channel. We got to get him to a thousand subs so he can start making some, so you can monetize it, make some money. Why not? A few extra bucks, you know, pay for that uh, cough syrup, you know. So five for fighting. That's probably him right now. Actually, it's funny. I think that actually is him. Um, five for fighting podcast, as well as, uh, like I said, the, the YouTube channel. So get, definitely give him a, check him out. And then of course, Broadway, Joe Lazito, Lazito. the Coliseum Chronicles podcast. It's a New York Islander podcast. We're just going to call it a New York podcast for now. It happens to take place in the Coliseum. Joe, Joe sending, as they would say, mixed messages. But he is working out of MSG, the, in the heart of it all, the world's most famous arena. Joe is down there, probably right now. He's probably got his feet up eating fish in the break room. Yeah, Joe's that guy. But definitely give Joe's show a uh, check. His show out, like I said, uh, again another tremendous back catalog: Fakoda, Bolton, Asham, Strudwig, on and on. In depth, great interviews. You want to know about a player? Tune into that. You'll know him by the end of that. Yeah, Joe's been around the game for a long time. Uh, gets really in-depth. And, uh, yeah, tremendous interviews. And uh, right now his latest episode, of course, is uh, the anniversary of his battle with a subway serial killer. Joe took him down. That's how that's how badass Joe is. Yeah, and uh, give that a listen. He wrote a book about it. If you're like, what are you talking about? Just Google Joe Lazito. You'll figure it out. But definitely give it a listen. Joe's a tremendous dude. Great guy. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, guy's a rock star. He's a, he's a living, he's a, he's a hero, man. What Now, that, that's a tough act to follow. Especially, you know, we just had Valentine's Day. Man, that's, uh, you know, Joe. And, you know, Joe, Joe's pretty, you know, straight-laced dude. You know, he, you know, doesn't drink much. He's not... Apparently he's not big on the pub crawls, doesn't really listen to Boney M, you know, he's not really, you know, he's, uh, he's not the cutting edge, you know, he's pretty, pretty laid back dude, I will say, I know the Valentine's Day was pretty subdued, it was funny, I was talking to Joe afterwards, and he was saying, yeah, the wife was pretty, pretty surprised, uh, you know, that it was just the two of them there on the couch, and, uh, yeah, just kind of, just hanging out, and, and then, and Joe tells me, yeah, he, uh, he watched his first porno, he couldn't get over how much hair he used to have. <laughs> 
Ah, look at that. We got jokes today, folks. Oh, I kid, I kid. Joe, Jolton, Broadway Joe, Coliseum Chronicles. Give it a Lazito. All right, folks. That's right. Always tip your waitress. You're all weak. Um, what are we going to do today, kids? Well, let's get into this, eh? All right. Well, first up on the docket. Um, actually, it was funny. I was, uh, I was going through, I found some old, uh, I was at my parents' house today and I was going through some stuff and I picked up, I grabbed some old jerseys and, uh, I found one that I had. It was an old, uh, it was a $5 thrift value, well, thrift shop, it was a value village, but thrift shop purchase many years ago. It was a Minnesota Moose IHL jersey. Yeah. I forgot I even owned that damn thing. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. I was happy I found that. Yeah, it's just a re- it's not game worn or anything. It was a replica one, but I don't know. It's a little kind of cool little piece of old IHL history. I love the IHL. That uh, that is one thing I want to do with the season ticket series. Um, of course, uh, Jay and I did the oh five oh six UHL season. Um, I really want to sit down with someone and uh, and break down an IHL year. Yeah, because what a league, man! I mean. You know, all the, like just veteran talent, you know, I mean, yet, oh, Chicago, you know, Rob Brown and, uh, who was it, Steve Maltese and those guys just like tearing it up, 100, 100, 100 point years and, uh, you know, toughness, Anglestad, Lapuma, Spenrath, uh, Morissette, all those guys back in the old IHL days and, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think that'd be, uh, yeah, I'll have to find a player or somebody or a, an old season ticket holder. I have one cat that I'm trying to, trying to talk into I gotta I'll put the pen down sorry folks I'll keep tapping the pen it's probably getting picked up on the mic um I have an old IHL fan that I used to trade tapes with and stuff he was he was big into it and uh I'd like to I asked I asked him if he'd like to come on the show he said he'd think about it so but I mean it's not that oh we can't just do one year I mean you can obviously do multiple I think that's kind of the cool thing with the series I mean you know as we go as as I go on with it it um you know, like, I mean, we could go back and do another UHL year, right? We could old 99-2000 or, you know, or whatever. You know, the shit's fairly, um, you know, does you know, obviously with all the different, every year, you know, you could have a different episode. So it's, re- it's really an unlimited series, really, if you could find it, if you could find fans or the players that will, that are willing to do it. Uh, yeah, it's a real, I mean, the possibilities are, are endless, really, so... No, I, I'm I'm really happy with that the the first episode of that series. Uh, really happy with the reaction it got. Um, a lot of positive feedback, um, you know, from players. Uh, Molly McMaster, uh, she got I, I noticed she, she listened to it, which was really cool to see. Um, if you don't know, you got, if you don't know who I'm talking about, you got to listen to the episode. Um, but uh, yeah, really happy with the turnout for the first one. Like I said. I was saying, I was telling Jay as well, but uh, I told a few people it was, it was, I was trying to describe or trying to kind of go through what I wanted the series to be. And in my mind, I knew what it was, but I was trying, I was having trouble translating it uh, verbally. And, uh, but Jay was great. And uh, I mean, he led that show. I was just along for the ride, clicking away and yelling names out. You know, I'm yelling, like I got Tourette's over here, but uh, you know, uh, he, he carried that you know, he carried the water on that episode for sure. So, um, yeah. And, and really actually going forward, I mean, that's sort of the point with the players. I mean, I can give them talking points or, 
bullet points of certain names and whatever. And the, but it's up. It's really it's up to the guests to to carry it because it's their story, right? It's their season, you know. And if if someone's a diehard fan, it's like okay, we'll pick a year that means the most to you. So it's like obviously a a memorable season in their minds. So it's really it's the, it's almost like their show, and I'm just the passenger. So. Um, you know, and I think that's really cool because it's a different voice and, you know, and for the listeners as well. So no, it's, um, really looking forward to, uh, bringing another episode of that or of that series, but just the series in general, I'm really, I'm, I'm really, um, excited to see the possibilities of what, what could happen with that. But, uh, yeah, an IHL year, I definitely want to do, but, uh, anyway, what was I yapping about? Oh yeah. My $5 thrift shop Jersey. Yeah. Um, yeah, other than that, guys, um, it came up, uh, on the, of course, on the old message boards as I was scrolling along, and, and it was funny, uh, I, not that I got into it with this guy, I didn't get into it, but him and I kind of, we went back and forth, and uh, it turns out he's, he's actually a, a former uh, player in the in the Federal Hockey League and stuff like that uh, about, uh, about five or six years ago, and... Um, Eventually, I just sent him a private message. I'm like, hey, you want to come on the show? And he's like, yeah, all right. You know, and it's like, so when I get back from Vegas, I'm going to talk to him, uh, you know, get him on the show. I haven't had any Federal Hockey League guys on. And, you know, a new age guy, like 2010, right? So, again, it's out of my comfort zone as far as, like, kind of new age hockey. I mean, I know Afanati and Tippin and those guys. Like, I mean, Pace and stuff like that. I know some of the guys that were in that league, like, just from watching the fights and stuff. But I don't know much about like all the teams or anything like that because I was again anybody that's a long time listener of this will know I don't watch hockey anymore. So I don't outside of like oh hey you should check out this fight from the federal league. Oh okay you watch it and it's like you know so you see familiar names and stuff. But you know I wasn't watching who was good or what what team was where or anything like that. So um, I'm actually yeah I'm looking forward to having them on and like I said all the guys got stories right so. Um, no, I kind of told, like, he wasn't familiar with my show, so I kind of told him, I said, um, and he had a bunch of stuff coming up this weekend, I said, well, I'm on vacation for two weeks, but in the meantime, I said, you know, uh, yeah, you should check out my show, and, uh, you know, because, well, not only was he obviously a fighter and stuff, but I mean, obviously he likes, you know, tough hockey and whatever, and I said, well, you know, if you're into podcasts, this, you know, you might find my show interesting, it's kind of right up your alley. And I've interviewed a lot of players and blah, blah, blah. So he said he was going to check it out. So, um, uh, yeah, looking forward when I get back from Vegas to uh, to get a hold of him. And, uh, you know, we'll see if we can uh, put down some audio for you guys. And like I said, I think it'll be kind of cool to hear about the Federal League. Um, and uh, was it AHL? Um, I'm not quite sure. Oh, off the top of my head, I'm not quite sure what the, what the initials mean anymore. But... Um, it was kind of the it was it was the early on seeds of the federal league. It was the kind of the beginning seasons. So it'll be interesting to hear because I know the one team he played he played on uh, in it was a Danville or Dan, not Danbury Danville, I believe. Uh, I think it had like fifty guys in the roster. Like I mean, you know, you, you're on hockey DB scrolling, you almost get fucking carpal tunnel. There's the list is so long. So. Um, yeah, so that'll be, to hear that story, I imagine, I, I'm sure he has some stories, so, um, looking forward to having him on, but, um, but him and I kind of, uh, like I said, we kind of snipped at each other a little bit initially on the, on the, uh, on the back and forth about this, um, well, to set it up, uh, it was the other night, uh, uh, Tampa, of course, had the, uh, beat, uh, 
shit, what I don't even know what team does he play for now? Uh New Jersey. Yeah. Um yeah, rookie kid, uh Mason Gertson, uh from New Jersey. Uh I had to I had to look it up. I'm like, what team I kept thinking Colorado. No, no, it was New Jersey. Got drafted by Colorado. He was with Colorado, so I had that part right. Um but old dub kid. Um him and Maroon got into it and uh it was I believe it was six three or six two for Tampa. Uh, it was right at the end of the third period. And they didn't, Maroon turned him down, didn't fight him. And, uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, somebody put the clip up of the big turn down of whatever. And, um, and it was just like the comments that, well, yeah, what would he fight a scrub for? And he doesn't need to and blah, blah, blah. Like earn it first kid. And all these people talk. It was just like, oh yeah. And I'm like, you know, I said, oh fuck, you know, ducking fighting how 2022, and this is when James and I kind of went, he kind of like, well, why would he fight at 6'3 and blah, you know. And I get I get all that. It was more of a tongue-in-cheek comment on my part. But uh, but really, it's just like, and I get it. Yeah, Maroon doesn't have anything to prove. They're up by three, and it's a rookie, and whatever. But it's like, you know, and I said, well, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, if it's one nothing in the first, does Maroon fight him anyway? Like, does, is it different? Would Maroon fight him? Probably not, you know. And it's like, well, Maroon fights. Eh, kind of. You know, yeah, I mean, he does. But, I, you know, what What does that mean nowadays? But, you know, I mean, and Gertzen certainly will it. I mean, he's a, he's a rookie, a 26-year-old rookie tough guy. So, I mean, he, he's not the one declining shit, right? He's ready to rock and roll. So, trying to make a name for himself. But, like, I don't know. I mean, try, try to make a name for yourself these days. I mean, who, who's going to give you a shot? Like, fuck, all these guys are so, I don't know, they're all so scared of their friggin' reps and everything. I mean, I just go back to, like, you know, uh, you know, well, Todd Fedoric on, on Ice Guardians, you know, talking about Rob Ray giving him a shot when he didn't know who he was and he's wearing number 52 and Ray's like, who the fuck are you? And he's like, you gotta give me a shot. And he's like, all right, you know, whatever. You know, and Probert, how many shots did he get? Bonvi and all, Engelstad and all those guys and, you know, and McSorley talking about it and, like all these guys that would give the like LaRock talking about it, um, you know, uh, you know, you give the guy a shot, right? Do you think Pat Maroon's going to give Gertzen a shot? No, you know, like at any time he's not going to, you know, and it's just you know, and I'm not knocking Pat Maroon. I like Pat Maroon; he's fine. I mean, I'm indifferent about all this, but it's just it's just more of a statement of just the mindset of hockey, you know, like. I don't know. Do any of these guys, are any of them going to give him a shot? Like, Gertzen asked Lucic, is Lucic going to give him a shot? Is Reeves going to give him a shot? Or Wilson? You know? I mean, maybe, but I don't know. I think the days of, like, you know, the Ray and Fedoric thing are pretty much over. Like, it's just, well, not pretty much, they are over. You know, and it's like, I just can't see this crop of guys just doing that. And it's, you know, everyone's just so... You know, I, and at the same time, I get it, you know, like, they're, really, their jobs are on the, like, they're kind of, they're on the, oh, I shouldn't, like, it's not like Lucic is on the bubble, but you know what I'm saying, they're, it's sort of, you know, Reeves and guys like that, they're all, you're always, like, I guess, um, I don't know, it just seems like, it's just, oh, everyone's so worried about the extra penalty now, or, oh, I might get benched, or I might do this, you know, and it's just like, 
everybody's just like, oh, if it's, it's got to be on my turn. Like somebody said, oh, Maroon would fight, but on his terms, and that's how you do it. And that's a veteran right there. He's not going to just fight and blah. You know, and all these guys just coming up with all this horse shit reasoning and whatever. And, you know, and I mean, not that any of them were wrong, but it's just like, but it's like these fucking guys are like applauding it. And it's just like, this is a fucking fight group. And all these guys are just like, I don't know, just all just gung-ho that like Maroon turned it down and was like, yeah, why, why would why would he fight some slug? I mean, you always get the gym class hero in there that's got to fucking run his lips that, you know, Gerson's the shits. And yeah, when the Rangers had all that issue last year, I noticed they didn't call this guy up and he's just nothing but an East Coast League guy. Like, oh yeah, just on and on. Like, I would have loved to have seen these guys back in like the old fried chicken message board days. Like, you know, oh, like, would you be shitting on Ray and all these guys, too? Because, oh, they they barely play and blah, blah, they're slugs. And, you know, it's just like, oh, it's such... And that's what I was saying to James when we were kind of going back and forth. Well, privately, we were saying it, too. But I'm like, I said, I said that's my issue with these fucking fight groups. I mean, I need these fight groups because that's where I advertise my podcast. I mean, that's my billboard is these groups. But I said, if I didn't have this podcast, there's no goddamn way I'd be a member of these groups. Hell, I probably wouldn't even be on social media, to be completely honest. Social media is a freaking cesspool. I mean, the reason you do this is to promote the show, you know. So, I might still be on Twitter, eh, but I certainly wouldn't be on Facebook. And I certainly wouldn't be in these fight groups, because like, it's not like I'm getting anything out of these. You know, and uh, not that, like I don't mind some of the guys, but it's a good place to, you know talk to players to get them to come on the show. It's a good place to find guys. And then, and like I said, to advertise other than that, I mean, you read these groups and I mean, you know, I, I William, there's lots of good dudes and I'm not saying, Oh, everyone, every last person. No, no. I mean, there's good dudes, but I mean, there are some fucking clowns in these groups. Like it's embarrassing. And like I said, no one hates fighting more than today's fight fan. Oh, they got to have, there's a checklist of what has to happen before a fighter else is breaking the code or, some bullshit, like, oh, it's just on and on. There's always some excuse. And there's these guys just virtually jerking Maroon off last night for, you know, really showed the rook, you know, like, like, oh, you got to earn it first, kid. Well, <laughs> how do you earn it? It's like the old job, right? How do you get experience when no one's going to hire you? Yeah, how's Gerson supposed to get any friggin', how's he supposed to earn it? None of these friggin' guys will fight him. You know, they're also, and if they do, we got to fight not to lose. I mean, everyone, we got to duck away and throw six jersey jabs and, and then bro hug after. And, you know, maybe on Instagram, like the guy's post. You know, it's like, fuck. I don't know. I mean, I'm not surprised. Not like I'm surprised by any of this. I'm just, as we're talking, as I'm sitting here, you know, but, and that was my issue when I was talking to James. I'm like, these guys are just, it's just a clown show on here. With these guys. You know, I mean, if there's a hit, there's a fight. Oh, then everyone gets mad because, oh, he's got to fight after a clean hit. And that's not right. If, oh, if it's off the face, I thought was staged. It didn't mean anything. It was like, you know, or else it's six. To, why is he fighting? It's, when, when should they fight? Somebody tell me then. When should they fight? Really, you, you've broken it down so much to just this little microcosm. If just, if this thing happens, then it's okay. Other than that, any other reason for that? There's no reason for it. This is just what makes fighting look bad. Like, 
I laughed. There was I can't remember who it was, and I and it's funny he blocked me because he never did answer my question. But it was like a number of I can't remember what I was doing. I was researching something, so that's why I had to go through a bunch of different threads. And I just noticed this guy, and his his posts were just like so eye rolling. But at the same time, I'm like, what is this guy's deal? So I ended up like looking up his shit and just reading it. And it, the guy was just a walking contradiction. Like it was just. He's going on and on about old, old love twist or pro. It was a bunch of the Baruby. That he's a Baruby guy. He was big into Baruby and Lyndon Byers, and they were yapping. He's yammering away about that and this. And then the other one, oh, this shouldn't have to fight after a clean hit. Oh, you should. And then oh, this was staged. And then oh, yeah, why is he fighting him here? And on and on. And it, it just basically came down to I don't know. Outside of if the guy hit you dirty. Or hit your goalie, basically, was the only time you could, in this guy's mind nowadays, that you would fight. But meanwhile, he's going on and on about, like, Baruby and Byers and all these guys. And it was just like, oh, yeah. like, But somehow it's just different now, I guess. I don't know. It was just... I don't get fight fans. They're just... They're embarrassing. Like, I always say about like, hockey fans, just like hockey Twitter and stuff, or just, like, the new Gen Z fans are just jerk-offs, but... I don't know. Fight fans are really no better. Like, I don't know. It's just constant. Like, seriously, you go into the groups and it's just like, and like I said, most, ah, most of the guys are fine and people put up some cool pictures and some videos and for the most part, everything's all right. But there's just, it's like anything in life, right? There's always that guy. Well, there's multiple guys in these groups, but they just, if it's not some exaggerated bullshit, it's just some fanboy idiocy and it's just like these are supposedly grown adults and it's just like it's literally like the playground it's a virtual playground with the stupid insults and the oh yeah like my dad can beat up your dad you know that's you know us we the us and we crowd you know and then all then you got to take some oh yeah typical least or laughs typical laughs fan you know it's just uh, or the coilers, it's like the fact this. It's like this whole tribalism thing with sports fans. It's just pathetic. It's like us and we. We really needed those two points. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I don't know how you're gonna go, how you're gonna get out of bed tomorrow morning after that big win. Like, oh my god. It's like, do you have a tracksuit? Do you play for the team? Like, just stop. God. But here I am rambling away, making no sense. No, but the Gertz and thing, like I said, Maroon wouldn't give him a shot. And it's like, well, well, he doesn't need to fight him there. Eh, no, he probably doesn't. But at the same time, why not? What what does it hurt? Yeah, okay, whatever. It's a 6-2 win. You're on the road. It's the end of the game. It doesn't mean it. Well, it means something to Gertzen. I don't know. Give him a shot. Maroon was there once. You know. I don't know. At the same time, Gertzen could have forced the issue. Start running people. You know, of course, then that's the problem, too. You start running people off, truck, then they'll end up probably coming up with some horse shit to suspend you with. But I don't know, just start banging guys, you know, and just maybe face washes in the scrums and force Maroon's hand to fight you. I mean, I mean, really, that that's the only way nowadays to get to do it, so... You know, but, and I always, and I wonder now with these, some of these young kids that are coming, like, do they even know how to do it? Like, do they even know how to perform the role or to, to instigate a fight or, I don't, I don't know. 
I, like I'm just saying, I really don't know. I don't watch it anymore, so I don't know. Is this what's happening? Do they just? I don't know. I'm out here. Oh, that tough guy's out there. I'm going to skate over to him. And I got to be respectful and ask him to go. He always oh, said no. Well, I guess I'm not fighting tonight then. And back over to the bench. And you know, I don't. I don't want to hit anybody smaller than me. That's against the code. So, like, just we're respectful warriors. I asked. You know, it's just shit like this. It's like. I don't know, are things that diluted now? It's kind of redundant. I mean, I know the answer, but it's just like, I don't know, force to be a motherfucker. You know, force the issue. Start running around, like, ask Maroon, let's fight. No, fuck off, kid, or whatever. Who are you? You know, do that bullshit. All right. Start running around. You'll figure out who I am quick and soon enough. I don't know. That's, that's archaic, I guess. You know, I'm a caveman. What can I say? I mean, I get it. I'm not far out in the weeds, I guess. That's, you know. But I mean, I don't know. I don't think these young guys know how to do it. Granted, the rules don't really allow you to do it. But I don't know. It's 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 seriously. It's like, well, I have to be respectful and challenge him. And he said no, so I guess we'll just be quiet tonight. Then it's like, well, no. Like I said, this this code, this whole code thing has got it's it's just it's it's brainwashed a generation of player. It really has it's brainwashed the fans for sure. They believe in this mythical bullshit. I don't know. It's just. I mean, I've I've ranted and raved about the code for two years on here. So, for anybody you know, any long term list, you know, this is no surprise and. Probably just, oh, here we go again, you know, but truthfully, really, I mean, what are, what are we doing? Like, just, I, I, that's the one thing about the code that they've, they bought into it so much. The, the enforcer, the hockey player, they bought into, like, I can see the fans buying into the bullshit because, oh, it's a, it's a romantic look at fisticuffs and they think it's, I don't know, like, a, I always kind of use the, the analogy as like a Rockwell, Norman Rockwell look at fighting. Like, it's this quaint Mayberry bullshit, like, that everybody thinks, oh, the Marcus of Queensberry, like, you know, pugilism. And they they have some, they think it's some this big honorable thing. It's like, I don't know. And like I said, I think the players, the players bought into it so much that they killed, their, the enforcers killed their own job. They killed their own role. Like, I mean, I know the rules in Hockey Canada, a lot of that had to do with it, but at the same time, the enforcer... The, the players themselves had a lot to do with making themselves extinct. With all their stupid little unwritten rules and all this shit that they bought into. The whole good luck, buddy. Like, ugh. You know. You made it, and made it look ridiculous. But. That's for another show. I will do a goal. I will do a whole code episode. I know I've talked about that a bunch of times, but I really want to, like, I'm going to sit down and actually kind of, like, type out my thoughts and actually have sort of, like, a, kind of some bullet points and a kind of a speech ready for my findings. But I'd like to have a few players on and talk and, you know, whatever, see what their, what their uh, take is on it. But, uh, yeah, so the whole Gertz and Maroon thing, I don't know. I think it was just, it was just indicative of 2022 hockey. It was, it was, yeah, it was this generation's hockey in a nutshell, in a timepiece. And 
Yeah, whatever. And then to read the comment section, I mean, fucking bronze it and put on a plaque and just write 2022. This is what we have now. Yeah. Guys excited about r- r- really uh, pumping up a guy, turning a guy down. Yeah. Guys declining fights are heroes now on these message boards. That's where we're at now, folks. But anyway. Pittsburgh Penguins. Again, I had this article sent to me. And uh, I'm going to click on the link here. I have not, as I always say with these links that get sent to me, I never look at them ahead of time. So I am discovering them with you guys. We're all discovering them at the same time. And uh, we've done a lot of lists on here. And uh, with the different team, top 10, top 5, top blah, blah, blah. And uh, like I always say, kind of, I always actually kind of hope the, the list is kind of shitty just because it's funnier that way. But I had a number of people, Michael and Jamie and guys have sent me lists. And uh, thank you, boys. And I just saved the links in a folder here over, the, over time. So uh, here we go. We'll click on it here. This is from the Bleacher Report. Steve Roddenbaugh in July 18th, 2013. Ah, so it's got a little bit, that's nine years ago already. Man, well, I guess eight technically, but man, eight years. <sighs> yeah. Um, ranking the, ranking the five toughest players in Pittsburgh Penguins history. Known for its blue collar work ethic and toughness, the city of Pittsburgh has always had a soft spot. For hard-nosed players in a town where players like Mean Joe Green of the Steelers and Phil Scrapiron Gardner of the Pirates are still Pittsburgh fans still talk. Battleship Kelly, Slippery Rock Joe Mullen, and other rugged players of the past. Was Joe Mullen considered rugged? Slippery, slippery Rock Joe. All right, is that really? I'm into it already, folks. Slippery Rock Joe—that's a hell of a nickname. <clears throat> Although the Penn's Ring of Honor is an adored with the names of the franchise's most skilled players, you'll often find fans at the Energy Center wearing jerseys of the toughest players in team history who would otherwise go unrecognized. Since the rec- recognition is long overdue, let's look at the five toughest players in Penguins history. All right. Click on here, scroll down. <clears throat> uh, We're off to a hot start here, folks. Am I recording? Oh, I am recording. I'm like, son of a bitch. Did I hit stop? Okay, sorry. Yeah, Hoffst- honorable mention. Oh, Alf Samuelson. Oh, this is tremendous. This is a good list already. Known by the nickname Robocop for a suit of armor-like pads and his resemblance to the movie character, Samuelson played hockey with a linebacker mentality. Acquired in 1991 from the Whalers, Samuelson brought much-needed nastiness to a Penns team that already had plenty of talent. Samuelson on the ice, goal area became a very dangerous place to operate. 6'1", 205, Samuelson's size and nastiness made him one of the NHL's most feared hitters as he led the team in penalty minutes during his tenure in Pittsburgh. Never one to shy away from a big hit, or even a dirty hit. Samuelson famously laid out Cam Neely in the 91 Cup playoffs. Many observers blame the hit for eventually ending Neely's career. Uh, yeah, I've often said, uh, fuck off, Samuelson. And, uh, guy's a piece of shit. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, yeah, hey, if he's on your team, solid, gritty dude, D-man, you know, was nasty to play against and all that. And, I mean, you talk, you, you hear his teammates always say, oh, what a great guy he was and all that. And, you know, whatever. But I, I thought what Ty Domi did to him was tremendous. Um, as Bert, after that, when Domi dropped Samuelson with the sucker punch there, and I remember it went around the league and 
uh, reporter asked Bernie Nichols what Ty Domi should get for that for that punch, and Nichols said a raise. So I'm with Bernie on that one. So no, but I mean, other than Neely, he did the shit to Scrudelin, took out Pierre Mondu's eye. Like the guy's a piece of shit. Fuck off, Samuelson. Yeah. So, all right, number five, Rick Talk. Well, now we're talking. Rick Talk it. Yeah, we'll talk. Now we got somebody with some actual fucking honor and some guts. Um, it's often said you can't beat him, so join him. In the case of Rick Tockett, sentiment proved to be good advice. Having tormented the Pens for years as a member of the cross-state rival Flyers, Tockett was acquired in a three-team deal in 1992 uh, and went on and to bring some toughness to a Pens team that was looking to win back-to-back cups. The move would pay immediate dividends as Tockett would play a primary role alongside Mario Lemieux, provided both muscle and goal-scoring ability. Tockett tallied 48 goals in 252 minutes, of course, over his career. Over the course of his career, talking amassed more than 400 goals and 2,000 penalty minutes, joining the ranks of recent Hall of Fame inductee Shanahan and the oh and the, well, and the next guy on our list. I won't break it yet. Um, yeah, how's Rick talking not in the Hall of Fame? Um, I love Rick Talk. He's one of my all-time favorite players. Um, you know, you look up power forward in the dictionary; it's pretty much him and well, like this is Shanahan and this and this next cat um, for sure. And Neely, of course. And, uh, yeah, one of the greatest power forwards of all time. Tough dude. Played on those ba- badass on those flyer teams. And, uh, what, what, you know, what more is there to say about Rick Tockett? I mean, guy was awesome. And, it, and he could be mean, too, without a doubt. Um, you know, was it, uh, who was it? Bomb, was it Baumgartner? It was Chanel. You go after Chanel's eye in a scrum. And, I mean, that was a little. Bush League or whatever. I don't, but I don't know what. You, I mean, obviously, he just didn't do it. Chanel and him obviously had something going on. I just watched that video. It was on one of my fight tapes the other night. And I said the Chanel talking thing, but I remember Chanel talking about getting and was and he's. I think he's to this day he's still mad about it. Don't blame him, guy. Fuck, you're on the ice and some guy goes after your eye. Yeah, I'd be a little choked too. Um, but yeah, but the, the hair pulling fight with Probert and yeah, talking was mean, man, and didn't give a shit and. He said for 400 goal guy would get down and dirty and fight and yeah, the Tockett Rocket, man. He's awesome. Yeah, love Rick Tockett. Next, yeah, so the next on the list was was Gary Roberts. <sighs> Again, tremendous power forward. I think, I, I don't want to say flies under the radar, but I think people forget how tough Roberts was. Did a lot of fighting with the Flames early on and shit. Roberts a bad dude, man. Sometimes tough players don't need to, don't need don't need a lot of time to make a big impression on a game, on a team, or in a city. Gary Roberts' stay in Pittsburgh was short, just 73 games. His impact on the Pens was immediate and lasting. Acquired by the Pens to add toughness and grit to a young, inexperienced Pens squad, Roberts at age 41 quickly became the conscious of the team. By his willingness to make big hits and pay the physical price, Roberts set the example and the Pens followed. As a result of his leadership and toughness, he showed a talented but inexperienced Penn's team matured and became a Stanley Cup contender. Um, I can remember when Roberts joined the Penguins. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, it really was. I can't believe he was 41 in that. I mean, everybody knows Gary Roberts is just like a physical marvel. Like, I know he still trains guys to this day. I know he's really highly thought of as a trainer. Um, he's in Toronto there. I know because McDavid was working with him. Well, tons of guys work with him, but I know. I just saw something with McDavid the other day about, and talking about training with Gary Roberts and, yeah, I mean, because uh, I think Roberts, uh, he had to retire early with a neck issue. And uh, and so he became like a real, like a workout guy and, and in his rehab. And he just got, 
And he, he made a big comeback after his, because this wasn't like after he retired, like, well, he retired and then came back and played like a whole bunch of seasons afterwards. And, uh, and was solid. Like, Gary Roberts is a bad dude. I have a couple of his fights on my YouTube channel. Uh, I mean, his fights are all over YouTube, but I'm just thinking about the one I put up, uh, him and Todd Gill have a really good one when Roberts was with Calgary. Um, yeah. I love Gary Roberts. He's great. Yeah, he's a bad dude. It's a good list. So, well, fuck off. But I mean, yeah, talk it, Roberts. It's two good starts. I mean, that's the one thing with these lists. I mean, it's you know we're just we're fight fans talking, right? Um, I, you know, at, at the same time when you're talking like, oh, it's this team's all time five toughest guys. I don't know. Do you put a 41 year old dude that played 73 games up on a list? Because I don't know how many fights Roberts had when he was with the Penguins. I mean, if your overall body of work, yes, he was very tough. But I always sort of look at these lists. It's the five toughest Pittsburgh Penguins. So it was like during their time with that team. We're not talking about Gary Roberts with the Flames or with the Leafs or, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, it's got to be with his time in Pittsburgh. Well, 73 games, he was 41. I know he got into a couple fights, but it's like in the entire Penguins, like, hey, I, I dig Gary Roberts, I'm not, you know, whatever, you want to put him on the list, eh, you know, okay, but I'm just saying in the history of the Pittsburgh Penguins, I'm like, we couldn't find a guy that played more than 73 games, you know, eh. but okay, you know, who's number three? Number three, Brian Bugsy Watson, oh, there you go, 5'9", only 170 pounds, Bugsy didn't have the look of an NHL tough guy, but the heart of one. Acquired from the Oakland Seals in 68, Watson spent parts of six seasons in Pittsburgh and brought a much-needed toughness to an expansion Pens team that was often pushed around. Wilson led the team in penalty minutes in three of his four full seasons with the Penguins, becoming one of the league's original agitators and is known for shadowing the opposing team's top players. Uh, TSN ranked him as the number two agitator in NHL history. Watson is still remembered as one of the game's all-time tough guys and became one of the most beloved players during his Pens' early years. Um... I think, like you said, agitator. I think he was more of a stick guy and was dirty more than anything else. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and profess to be some Bugsy Watson expert. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, I was going to say that 1968. It's a little, a little before my time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like I said, a little before my time. So I'm not. I'm going to sit here and profess to be a Watson uh, expert. But I know he was. Uh, he was. Yeah, he was really dirty. I know that. And um, I'm not quite sure how much of a fighter he was, um, or inter- uh, how good of a fighter he was. Like I said, I've, I've briefly seen clips and stuff, but nothing really stands out to me. Um, so, like I said, guys, this is the first time seeing this list, so it's not like, oh, I went and studied this and, you know, or whatever. I could give you better answers if I did, but, uh, yeah, don't know. I'm, I will be completely honest. and don't. I mean, I know who Brian Watson is and everything else like that, but, yeah, in terms of, like, some big outstanding or some big incident in his career. I don't, I don't recall, but, but nonetheless, um, I, I can see why he'd be on the list. Number two, Matthew Barnaby. Hmm. Uh, well, again, with his team with the Penguins, while his time with the Penguins is relatively short, Barnaby quickly earned the respect and admiration of the fans. Acquired in 99 at a deadline deal with the Sabres, uh, Barnaby brought toughness to the Pens team that was searching for identity after the retirement of Lemieux. Known for his willingness to fight anybody at any time, Barnaby famously squared off against best friend, former teammate Rob Ray, and has returned to Buffalo having, after having gone to dinner with Ray the night before. He only played 129 games a member of the Pens. I didn't think he'd played that many. Um, 100, yeah, 129 games with the Pens. 
Masked 400 minutes, quickly earned a place amongst the franchise's toughest players. Um, I love Matt Barnaby. I know a lot of people don't like him and stuff. I dig him. Um, I, I often see him re- referred to as like, oh, Avery and stuff. Eh. Yeah, Barnaby fought heavyweights though. Like, I mean, as much as an asshole as he, and he was, and like, well, yeah, here, voted TSN's number one agitator in NHL history. Yeah, probably. I mean, the mouth never stopped. He was always into shit starting stuff. But could you imagine though if he was like, guys like that were still around? I mean, you got guys now, like, you, you got, I mean, God knows there's still rats running, well, fuck, the whole league's rats, but you got guys running around now and doing all that shit, but no, they don't fight. Barnaby fought all the time, that's what, like, he had over 200 career fights, like, that's the thing people, you know, you can say whatever you want, but like you said, the guy fought Ray the night before, after going out for dinner with him, I remember his fights with Grimson, I mean, he fought all those tough guys, you know, and, and he was tight, like, Barnaby was like, what, six feet and 185, like, he was skinny, and, um, but a, be- a better player, I think Barnaby was a better player than people give him credit for, and he was a tougher guy than people give him credit for. Was he annoying? Yes. Um, I, I could see why pe- people, like, hate him. I, I get it. But I don't think, you can hate someone, but you gotta give him credit. And I think that's the, in the case of Barnaby, you gotta give him credit. Like, yeah, he, uh, for as much of an asshole as he was and stuff, he backed his shit up, for sure. And, yeah, I'm down with Barnaby. He's cool. Um, now, I'm, I'm I, as I'm doing this, I'm thinking in my head of like penguins. The penguins were always sort of a like. Oh, here we'll see what number one is first, and then we'll kind of summarize this whole deal. So number two is Barnaby. Number one, <laughs> uh, who do you, who do you guys think number one is here? <laughs> Darius Kasparitis. Uh, okay. He's a member of the 93 Islander team that upset the two-time defending cup champ Penguins. Kasparitis was hated in Pittsburgh. That is until he was acquired in a trade in 1996. Uh, Kasparitis instantly became a fan favorite in Pittsburgh and will always be remembered for thunderous hit on Eric Lindros in the 98 and for scoring the series-clenching goal in overtime in Game 7 against the Sabres in the 01 Stanley Cup playoffs. With his knack of catching players with their head down, Kasparitis had the ability to make it, uh, making a trip through the neutral zone a, ric- a risky proposition for opposing players. Although he was only 5'11", barely weighed 200 pounds, Kasparitis was fearless on the ice and was always willing to take on anybody. That's why he gets my vote as the toughest player in Penguins history. Well, <clears throat> again with these lists, that's I guess the guy didn't put any qualifiers at the start. Did Kasparitis play tough? Yeah. Was he dirty? Yeah. But he did hit, without a doubt, and he would mix it up, and yeah, he was an asshole. Like, but, and he'd fight seldom, now and again, but not really. I mean, so, what's your definition of toughness? Just like a physical, gritty guy that would get involved? Okay, well then, yeah, I could see him on the list, but if we're talking, like, fighting, no. You know, so, I don't know, that's why I would say, but you don't put qualifiers on this list. I, you know, it's hard for me to take it kind of serious, but I mean, you start, you know, Robert, you know, even though Gary didn't play many games, but talk at Roberts, Barnaby, it's like, all right, I'm with you, Watson, and then all of a sudden we, we we're throwing in Alf and and uh, you know, Alf and Casper, so eh. you know, and I'm just thinking like Pittsburgh, like I always say with Pittsburgh, it was it was weird. They were always one of those franchises. They never seemed to really have. They never had a guy for a long time. Like, well, I guess Watson, but you know what I'm saying. Like, 
They never really had that. Like, I know Mario never really, because Wayne always had the bodyguard. He always had Marty, right? Mario never really had it. Per, every once in a while, like, he had Tockett for a little bit, and, or, or Jay Caulfield, or, you know, or Grant Jennings. Like, well, Grant Jennings really wasn't an enforcer, but a gritty dude, though, that would fight. But, but you know what I mean? There was never, like, that big bodyguard tough guy that, and if they got a guy, they'd bring him in for a year or two, and then, Get rid of him. Like, even recently, would they have Reeves for, like, half a season, and then they let him go. And Pittsburgh's always been like that. They're kind of a weird team to get a handle on. I mean, McSorley started there. Went back there later in his career. Of course, he had the famous fight with Probert, the hour-long marathon there. And But, yeah, I mean, just trying to think Pittsburgh guys. Asham, um, England, Battleship Kelly, Jim Kite. Francois LaRue, Risling, Goddard, Troy Loney, LaRock. But you know what I mean? Goddard, LaRock, there you go, the kind of rental guys like um, Schultz, the Hammer. I mean, even though he was at the end of his line, I mean, eh, still. I mean, you know, Schultz at the end of his line is a better fighter than Casparitis ever was. So, um, you know, it, it always just seemed... Uh, yeah, Pittsburgh was just always one of those teams that just, yeah. I mean, they had, you know, Kevin McClellan and stuff like that. But, yeah, it was just, I don't know. Bennett Wolf with the Penguins briefly. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, folks, there you go. There's the top five toughest Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, the list. I like the list. Those are always fun. Darius Kasparitis, number one. All right. Well, that sort of sums it up there, folks. <laughs> But I will wrap things up. Like I said, I got to go edit a whole bunch of episodes to get things ready for you guys. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for tuning in. Like I said, I'm down in Las Vegas right now. So uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this. And uh, I guess I will be through the magic of editing or and scheduling and everything else, I guess. I will be talking to you again on Wednesday, and with uh, this coming Wednesday, I have uh, a special guest, Doug Smith, Doug the Thug, uh, of course, famously portrayed in the movie Goon, um, but Doug has a very interesting story. Like I said, I'm sure most of you guys listening, I mean, I'm sure all of you have watched the movie Goon, but you all sort of know Doug Smith's story. It's been out there. I know he's been on numerous podcasts and everything else. Um, but I think this interview is a little different. We almost go two hours. Doug was really great with his time and we really go in depth into his career. Like I said, first, his first year of pro, he's with the Carolina Thunderbirds. He ends up winning a championship in the East, in the East Coast League, the first year of the East Coast League. Um, and, uh, we talk about that, talk about some of the opponents down there playing, uh, some of the arenas and just what it was like to be a guy that learned to skate at 20 and three years later, he's Winning a championship in the East Coast League. It's a wild story. You know, of course we talk about the movie and the famous fight with Bia Lois and all that. But I think you guys will learn a few things about Doug Smith that you didn't know before this interview. I'm really happy with it. With the way it turned out. And uh, I think you guys will dig it. So that'll be Wednesday's show that I have that recorded. I just got to do an intro for it. And um, yeah, other than that... Uh, I don't know what the Sunday episode will be. Uh, I, I I guess I'll have to record that tomorrow night. Uh, I'm thinking about I might maybe I'll do a history of Las Vegas hockey since it's like a Las Vegas theme. Um, you know, Vegas had hockey long before the Knights, so we'll maybe talk about that briefly. So, 
But uh, anyway, guys, I got I got to go. Hit, I got to go drink some Miller Lights and go play video poker and maybe you know see what's happening down on the casino floor. So I'm gonna get out. I'm gonna get out of here. Well, I'm already out of here, but you know what I'm saying. The the magic of editing. But uh, I hope you guys have a very have a great uh, Sunday and uh, attack the work week, folks. And I will be talking to you again on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 